Step onto the legendary clay courts of Roland Garros, where the world's best players battle it out at the French Open for a chance to win a Grand Slam title. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. See the action unfold as legends fight for glory and new rivalries emerge. Daily live coverage begins Monday, May 20th, with match replays on demand so you never miss a moment. From the first serve to the final point, Roland Garros promises unforgettable moments and new chapters in tennis history. Stream now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. I think we do all need to step back and have a think about how we use social media and how much we should be commenting on things. People write things and forget that those people they're writing about, they're probably going to see it. Well, we've all been pushed around. Hello and welcome to It's Complicated, the podcast to help you untangle your relationship with your phone. Left our hearts in the lost and found. I'm Tanya Goodin. And each week, I'll be talking to my guests about how they manage the relationship with the tiny tyrant in their pocket. We'll be talking about how our phone habits affect our work, our lives and our loves, and about what our relationship with our phone might just tell us about our relationship with ourselves. If you want help and you want hope, you've come to the right place. This is It's Complicated. So welcome to the third season of It's Complicated. There's been a little bit of a longer gap between season two and three because I've been trying to get the perfect lineup of guests for this season and I'm really happy with the set of guests that we've got and I think you're going to be too. So I'm particularly delighted that we're starting this season with Alex George, aka Dr Alex, who was probably one of the most high-profile recent contestants of Love Island. And in case you've been living under a rock or don't live in the UK, Love Island is the biggest reality TV show in the UK. It's a dating show with beautiful people in their 20s sent off to a metaphorical island. And it regularly pulls in the biggest viewership figures across all the TV shows in the UK and what I've always found really interesting about Love Island is how the contestants cope with kind of relative anonymity before they go into the show and then coming out and finding they've got social media followings in the millions and just how they deal with that so I'm really happy that I had this chat with Alex because he's actually got a really interesting perspective uh, on that because of course he's actually a doctor a doctor in a hospital very busy hospital in London and also a social media celebrity and you know past contestant of the show so we had a really wide-ranging chat which covered quite a lot of the mental health issues that arise from managing that kind of social media following and he had a really interesting perspective because of course he sees it not only from his own point of view but then you know kind of treating people with mental health conditions when they come into accidents and emergency or when they come into the hospital where he works. Love Island is always topical sadly it's been made very much more topical recently by the really tragic death of Caroline Flack, who was the long-term presenter of the show. And Alex and I did touch on that. And we talked about the kind of intolerable pressures that come from having that kind of high profile and whether really anyone can deal with that and whether we're just asking too much of celebrities and presenters in the current world to deal with that kind of constant social media scrutiny. Anyway, I will 
let you get on and listen to our chat and I hope that you enjoy it. So Alex, welcome to It's Complicated. Thank you. So the podcast is all about our very complicated relationship with tech and the digital world. And it struck me that your relationship is probably a bit more complicated than most because you've got these two jobs. You're a A&E doctor, that's an ER doctor for our American listeners, but you're also a social media celebrity. So I want to kind of take you back to when that first started, which is not that long ago, yeah. is it? 2018. Well, yeah, a year and a bit ago, a year and a half or a bit more. So how does it feel to go on to a programme like Love Island with, I don't know how many followers you had on Instagram before you went in, but I'm thinking hundreds, maybe. Not many. Not many. I mean, and come out with over a million followers. You know, how does that... Well, it, it, my relationship with social media used to be pretty uncomplicated, actually. I had about 200 followers. I might post myself, uh, post a picture of myself with my mates watching the rugby or something, because that's one of my favourite things, or a cool car I've seen. But, you know, very much a take-it-or-leave-it relationship with it. And I went on the show. I actually never intentionally went on the show really they asked me to come for an interview um to consider coming on and for ages said no i said i don't really want to enter that realm i, I think the show is fantastic i enjoyed it myself in fact i even remember watching the final of the year before so chris and kem's year um, and saying god i'd have a right laugh if i was on there but a fleeting joke nothing more and then fast forward to february the next year and you know i'm being interviewed to go on the show so i didn't really know what was coming. I think I was probably quite naive to what it would really be. And I remember speaking to my consultants in A&E and I said, look, I don't know if this is really a good idea. And they said, well, actually, you know, in life you get one chance to, you know, have your best shot and, you know, make, you know, have as much experience as you can. Why not? Why not try something new? And also, um, I lost a friend of mine a few years ago to leukemia and she always said to me, like, put yourself out there, enjoy experiences, do everything in life, say yes to most things. It always used to be a little bit reserved. I thought, do you know what, Alex, you need to go for this. And then fast forward the nine weeks after the show, I had no idea I'd be, you know, one episode from the final. And I remember coming out at something like two in the morning after doing the live after sun show with Caroline Flack and everyone there and getting in the car and they gave me my phone. So it was the first time I had the phone back. My mm. phone left me uh, a week before the show and I didn't have it for nine, so nine, nine weeks. weeks. Nine weeks. Yeah. So I had my phone and I opened it up and um, to be honest, it pretty much exploded instantly. <laughs> In fact, the, the phone did die about an hour later because it just was overwhelmed with everything. I think I had something like two and a half thousand messages, you know, between WhatsApp and, you know, iPhone message. Um, and then I opened my Instagram and saw, yeah, it was like a million followers. I was like, you know, and, I, and I've got to be honest, I remember that moment, you know, you never forget a moment like that really, mm. you know, and I had a feeling of, wow, what a weight. I felt like someone dropped a backpack on me full of something heavy. <laughs> um, because it was like, wow, this is, this is, this is insane. How, many, how do this many people, you know, how can this many people be interested in what I'm doing and following me? So it was a shock. And we were on the way to the airport. And this is in Palmer. So it was about three or four in the morning. And we had to have security on the plane at three or four in the morning from Palmer. Got off in, I think it was Gatwick we landed in. Had to be escorted like a different way out because people were waiting. And I was like, this is absolutely you know, bizarre. It was, it was a really weird experience. So did you have anyone managing your Instagram while you were in? Because I know a lot of the contestants do now, don't they? That I mean, I I can't remember. Did well, you I was someone... one of the few um, who actually didn't have any kind of agency or agent right. before because I thought I'm going to go in for a couple of weeks, come out and it'll be a good story back in a and it'll be a new experience and a sunny holiday. Um, and so I handed my phone to six or seven of my closest friends who are all doctors actually in a very good sense of humour and said, look, have a bit of fun with it, but obviously be careful. And they understood all the ethics and everything. So they took over and did a fantastic job really but I think even for them it was massively overwhelming you know they said you know within two days you had like 50,000 followers you know and you know when they started going up to hundreds and hundreds of thousands of followers you know celebrities Peter Andre other people messaging saying you know I'm supporting Alex which is lovely but it, for them it was overwhelming like, whoa yeah. we're carrying this massive weight and I think for them it was a massive relief when they gave it to me and said right here you take this beast now kind of thing so yeah so does it still feel like a weight? Do you still no. feel that massive responsibility? No. I, I think it, things have changed now. I think it took me... I think I remember the first six months being a blur off the show. I was not really myself. The experience on the show was really... It was incredible. It's one I'm so, I'm so glad I did it, but it was... It was testing, because if you think, if, if I took someone and said, right, you're socially isolated now in terms of, and I mean this in the wider you know, sense, in some ways actually very socially connected, but you know, no phone, no contact to the outside world, you don't actually know what time of day it is, they don't, you, know, you very much immerse yourself and give yourself to this process. And that's amazing in a sense, because you actually get a time to go pause and just enjoy the, you know, the people around you. There's a real positive side to that. 
but also it's like wow you know you go through all this kind of stuff you're on tv you're aware on tv you're being emotionally tested people are making comments about you know on the outside world that you know people are making comments and things and I think that is a real test but when you come out and you know the first I say the first six months was a blur uh, and I was like wow what do I do this didn't know what to post you know the first time I did a story there was like I think about 850,000 people watched that story within a few hours I mean that's quite scary so if I think I got a cup of tea in front of me here and I take a picture of that tea and I put it out and 800,000 people watch it like that's quite daunting actually yeah. now I don't don't even think twice it doesn't bother me at all because I've realized that if you use social media for good and you use it for what you want to use it for and realize the kind of limitations and when to pick it up and put it down it's a very powerful tool it's a really good powerful tool so you talked about being socially isolated you you effectively do a digital detox when you're on the show which i i find really fascinating because it's you know one of the most popular shows on tv and it kind of doesn't reflect the real world particularly in that sense so just talk me through what your relationship with your phone was like before you went on the show and what it's like now and did you have time ever to think you know there's so much going on when you're on it but did you have time to think about not being digitally connected about yeah I did actually we talked about it on the show quite a lot everyone's like oh so nice to put your phone down I mean I I didn't really use my phone that much before I mean I'd whatsapp friends and you know I'd use it to watch YouTube videos and stuff I wasn't someone I would say that was massively bothered about Instagram or anything like that but even I was like you know I spend probably two hours a day on an hour and a half a day on the phone messaging people I was like actually this is quite nice but some of the um, guys and uh, the girls on the show were like actually this is so nice there's people who maybe were because bear in mind a lot of them were models and stuff yeah. as well they had following so they, they had, had big following reason before. to kind yeah. of focus on their accounts and they thought it was fantastic the, the odd kind of paradox guess is that the fact on the outside your your social media is going mental but you're just you're not just yeah. aware of it yeah um, but I really quite enjoyed that and sometimes now I think gosh I'd really like to have a detox again you know sometimes as I say I'm very kind of I, I, I don't feel pressure to post every day I post what I want to post and you know I don't care really whether my followers go up or down you know it, it's whatever to me I, you know I'll use it for what I want to use it for those who want to follow me and support me will and others will will, will, will depart and whatever and that's fine um, but sometimes it is nice you know to just go yeah put the phone away and, and sometimes I do I have like three or four days ago you know I'm not posting anything uh, I'm not doing any stories I'm just going to relax so you do do digital detoxes yeah I do especially if I think that I'm becoming if I notice that I'm becoming a bit too you know, concerned about you know what I'm posting and a bit of, I'm thinking oh gosh what shall I you know what's the, what's a topic that I really need to you know cover and things like that because I try to use it to talk about health as well as a bit you know about my relationships uh, to give insight into my life a little bit and and also my passion for cars but if I feel that I'm actually getting a bit anxious at all about it I go right I'm having a pause from this because it's not healthy you know and at times especially when it came out the first six months I was getting really anxious about it mm. and at the end of the day what you know it's it is it's nonsense really it's an amazing tool but you know the people around you is what matters your life you know everything on instagram is the past everything on instagram is history so what were you getting anxious about i think the fact that i feel there is a lot of responsibility with having that many followers and it's a feeling that you should be using it to for for good and for messages of good and i do try even posts that i about relationships or friends i try and think about whether it's going to make people feel good that follow I don't want to post something that makes people feel bad yeah. there's enough of that in the world so I try to do you know use it in that way and also to talk about health things I think the difficult part of being a doctor on social media is you have a great deal of responsibility from that angle as well and you've got to be careful that you know you say the right things any brands you work with are ones you truly believe in that have a genuine you know good purpose for the general public you do have to be very careful of that stuff and that's something I'm very very conscious about and I'm very very careful uh, about other people might just post whatever and it doesn't really matter but I feel and I know that I have responsibility how does I'm, I was going to ask you about that later but let, let's talk about it now how does that impact on your career as a doctor because presumably mm. you must have people that occasionally come into A&E and recognize you I think the vast majority do and it's a weird thing I mean I, what surprised me about Love Island is how it transcends all generations it is absolutely unbelievable I've had 85-year-old ladies recognise me to 10-year-olds, to builders, you know, everyone kind of watches the show to an extent. And I think what the power of social media is even after, if you think think a few years ago before Instagram really took off, you could do a show like that. And then if you came off the show and you didn't do any TV, people would slowly forget about you. Forget about you, yeah. But social media is such a giant that people, you know, that are following you are seeing you all the time. So in fact, if anything, I feel that in the right ways, a new audience is beginning to follow me because I do, you know, the waiting room podcast. I talk about a lot of health issues. You know, did Master Chef, which is a different audience, and you know, it's a new following that's really, you know, focused on 
um, the things I want to talk about, and that's what's amazing. But as a doctor, it can be a challenge because you know people people come in and they want to say hello to you and chat yeah. to you, and, I'm and they to focus feel they the know job. you. Yeah. yeah, and I want to focus on the job at any. You know, I don't. You know, I will stop and talk to anyone in the street. Anyone who's met me will know that I'll stop and chat. You know, I'm in holiday. I was skiing. I was up skiing, and I will stop on the slopes and I will chat to people. Like I'm, you know, I'm I'm very approachable I think but in any I do try I say hello to people but I say you know it is important I don't want to do photos and all that there's mm-hmm. patience around we've got respect confidentiality and also if I'm busy having pictures of people I'm not doing my job properly yeah so it is really important for me when I'm in A&E that I do it properly and I guess the other thing is that the, the biggest challenge actually the biggest challenge of all of coming out of that show and being a doctor I think or having another profession which you're going to try and continue is how you balance it because mm. they're two completely different world you're pretty unique in love island contestants mm. because of that aren't you mm. so what what's what's your advice how have you managed to balance it I how, think it's how are difficult. you dr alex and also dr alex i still think i'm working that out you know i'm still working that out i mean sometimes i have so much stuff on that i'm focused on i support you know i'm supporting four or five different charities i do a huge amount of content across several platforms as well as you know tv and radio folks on health and sometimes to be honest i don't end up in any as often as i want to be because and it, some people think, well, oh, you're just doing that because the other stuff's, you know, easier or more fun. Well, actually, to be honest, I'm probably most at peace in A&E because nothing matters there. You know, mm. what your Instagram's doing, everything else doesn't matter at all because it's life and death. It's a real amazing way to kind of bring yourself back to a you know level in a sense. And yeah, it is difficult. I mean, myself at the moment, I work, so I work at Lewisham Hospital. I'm on bank. So for people who don't understand what that means necessarily, it's a zero-hour contract, if you like, um, and any shifts will come up which they need to fill, and you go, are you available? Yes or no. Okay, so I'm not on any so obligation. So you choose. Yeah, yeah. obligation yeah. to work, which is great because it means I, you know, if I'm doing other things, other projects, then I can do them and then I can slot in any shifts. But I think for the long term, I don't think that's the way I'm going to say. I'm probably going to move away from A&E now um, and apply to GP training, I think, because it fits nicely with the, the health messages I want to do. I think general practices about you know wider health and public health a lot as, as well. Uh, and I feel that will provide a better balance because it is, it, is, it is tough. And I do look at contestants on these shows and think it is hard to go back to the, the day mm. job properly. But I do also think a massive piece of advice, and I said this to you know before this show and I've said it and, you know, as in this series and I've said it you know, a lot on TV really that if you're going to do a show like that make sure that worst comes to worst you're able to go back to your job you know you've got to be very very careful because these shows can chew you up and spit you out there are a lot of contestants that give up their jobs aren't well, there to go on the show you know my yeah. series that you know there's 37 or something people on that island you know realistically there's probably about seven of us who can make really a career out of that and i'm not being rude to anyone else that's yeah. done it but that's the reality that's the, the truth fact. that's yeah. the, that's a fact that's yeah. the truth and for the other 30 that's fine there's nothing wrong with that you know there'll still be an element that you can you know start a business or do different things with a show but you have to be a little bit realistic and if you're not able to go back to your job i think that is really really tough because mm. certain certain things you can't i think you know for lawyers and stuff like that it must be very difficult to go back as a doctor I, I, it's slightly different but anything that requires you to be somewhat anonymous very difficult I, but it's interesting you say that because i would have thought a doctor is one of the professions that it would be really difficult simply because of that that kind of barrier the patient doctor relationship mm. that you always have to have and it's really interesting you saying that you don't find it difficult to manage. No, I think I think it kind of works. There is the media doctor thing has been going on for a while. I've had a slightly odd way into it, but it has been something that's been established, you know, for a while ago. People like Dr. Hillary have done it fantastic yeah. so many years, who's, you know, a successful GP. There's a lot of people really you know, you've got your Dr. Zoe, Dr. Rand who actually works in pediatrics. And it it can be done. You just have to know where the kind of barrier is and where the line is between you know your role as a doctor and also the fact that they know you you know yeah. so you've got to be careful with that but it must as i say it must be difficult for some people i think to go back and if we think about one of the kind of occasions i think that really came to play sadly was for for mike thalassitis who mm. passed away a few years ago and this is you know this is not a confirmed thing but it's something that i've kind of hypothesized as to whether some of the pressure that he had was you know because it is difficult to go back to to your job if you know, if you may be feeling that, you know, you're not enjoying, you know, the new world, you know, the new experiences, what's going on, how do you switch it all off and yeah. go back to your day job? It can be really difficult. And I think that does put pressure on people. It's kind of a Pandora's box, isn't it? Once you've opened oh, you can't close it. yourself up, you can't. People, the one yeah. thing I find difficult, I mean, my friends, and you know, people that know me go, God, how do you deal with it? You cannot put it down. You know, mm. if I walk to the Tesco's, people will know me in Tesco's and talk. There's no 
switch. There's no off switch. If you're in a public space, you know, and you're in the public domain, then there's no way you can have the same privacy, you know, as you could before. You can't be anonymous in that way. And you know, I used to love walking. When I moved to London, I moved to Canada Water, so East London. I used to love on my days off. I love walking. So I love, used to love walking along the river, across Tower Bridge, maybe up to Regent's Park or something. A really nice long walk. I'd have my hood up music on and I would have a, an element of just peace and quiet. I'd have my own space. i just walk. And even though you're walking past people, you're just, you know, people don't know you or recognise you. Now I couldn't do that walk. You know, it wouldn't be possible. So... Yeah, it, it's so do you ever different. regret it? Is there ever a moment no. when you think I'd I like think, to go back? To... I think the pros were, you know, very much outweigh the cons, and yeah. I, you know, there are days I go, oh gosh, this is. But you know, I'm very lucky. I'm so lucky. I get to do things now which I'd never be able to do. I've been to parties that I wouldn't be able to do. I've been able to talk about, you know, the health stuff I want to do. I've been able to champion different charity stuff. And you know, mental health, something's always been huge to me. It's not something that's new since the show, and I've been able to work charities like the Samaritans and stuff you know in kind of an ambassadorial role has been incredible really and I think I've seen a really good impact from that you know an example I could use maybe that shows a tangible way that you know social media can be used for good is that we did a blood squad campaign with ITV with a couple of the islanders getting people to donate blood and we managed to get 30,000 blood donations which are going to go on to save you know a huge number of lives Mm -hmm. not just from one you know campaign and you go gosh that's actually because it's a lot of talk about the negative stuff of social media. Yeah, That's a real yeah. example of how you can use it for good. So one of the things you said is that when you were in Love Island, you were all talking about the positive aspects of being off social. Um, so one thing that does intrude is the Twitter challenge isn't it yeah and it's always wow yeah I've always found that a really difficult thing to watch um so how I mean how does that feel you know I've watched contestants faces just kind of crumple when Mm. they have tweets read out to them it's the first realization that because people people have an idea of what fame means and what it means for people to know you are but until you've done it you don't know really what, what that kind of means and I think it's the first taste of wow, people are writing stuff and some of it's really quite nasty about me. Yeah, yeah. And I think there's an element that you can't respond as well, which makes it a little bit difficult. And they're all contextualised. You don't need to necessarily respond, but have a context of actually that one tweet's bad, but there's, you know, 100,000 yeah. tweets which are nice. Because um, yeah, obviously the producers shock. are picking the ones that are the yeah, most... The great, yeah, the great drama. I think one tweet for me, there was, I think I think it was a Twitter challenge uh, or something similar. It might have been the news. There's another news one where Margot Robbie said that I was her favourite islander. I mean, that was an amazing... I remember that. That was, yeah. a, that was a good one. <laughs> yes. That's a good example. Yeah. But there's a lot of stuff that's said and you think, oh, wow, I thought I was doing okay. I thought I was just, you know, I'm being myself. I thought I was being... You know, fairly unreasonably likable, and you see something written really bad, you think, gosh. I was wondering, you know, optimistically, whether it makes people think about what they post online when you actually get the chance to see the real-life reaction of someone that you've written something about, whether it actually might make people stop I don't think, think so. I, don't, I think it's so... I mean, I try so hard to push about, you know, being kind on social media and considering, but, you know, it's really difficult. The media push a lot of it I think you know, you know they almost set the precedent there for everything else that follows so if you have really inflammatory stories written then people on Twitter write similar you know and I think it's really difficult to change that I think there, there can be some element of education in schools I think working to, with young people about realising what the impacts of what you write can be probably is the only way to do it I think once people are older and they just write whatever they want you can't really change that you know we've had you know, I mean, Princess Diana was, you know, um, trolled to death almost, not maybe by Twitter, but certainly in, in a different kind of way. And we've seen numerous occasions where, you know, high profile people have maybe either taken their lives or been pushed to the brink of that um, because of trolling and nothing changes. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 
There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Can we talk at this stage about Caroline mm-hmm. Flack? Yeah. Um, really tragic uh, situation for her. Um and it has made me think, it's made all of us think a lot, I think, about mental health mm. and what happens to people on social media. Mm. You posted really quite strongly about mm. it on Instagram. Would you like to talk about, you know, kind of what your yeah, I mean, it's, take it's, is it's, on it? Yeah, I mean, it was awful. I mean, I took time, took about 24 hours to think about what I wanted to say because I was very frustrated about it. And I think she, Caroline, was tried by, you know, the media and Twitter, basically. I think, you know, she didn't face, she didn't go to court and have everything, you know, properly judged in a judicial system it was done you know by you know media and i think that is something that's really difficult to watch especially when it's pushed someone to that extent and now even more difficult when it appears it's not it's not actually what everyone thought it was and there's probably a lot more to play a lot more going on than people really realized um and it's just awful i mean i had i felt i had to say something so you know i i said people do need to think before they they type you know the media have a role to play in all this kind of kind of situation you know we can always blame twitter and stuff but you know the media set a precedent of inflammatory stories you know writing headlines that are going to get you know evoke kind of a response from 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 people then unfortunately this is the kind of thing that you're going to see happening so it is it is difficult it is really difficult to kind of watch and know that really I mean, you can't guess these things, but I do wonder, I just wonder, if she was someone that wasn't in the public eye, that went through a similar situation, would she have taken her life? That's mm. the kind of thing, that's the question I ask myself. I don't know the answer, but you do think, well, Well, I maybe. think, didn't she answer it herself in that Instagram yeah. post that yeah. her family posted mm. after her death, yeah. where she said, it's really hard to be going through all of this. Yeah. You know, watching mm. it being played out. It's because the world. She, she's been advised. Presumably, I'm, this is all presumption for mine. She's been advised by her, you know, legal team not to comment and not to, you know, post anything. And yet, people are just making up whatever they really like, you know, online. And bear in mind, you know, this is her career as mm. well. You know, and her life, her li- livelihood. You know, yeah. she's gone from having a really successful career, doing really well, to you know, potentially losing it all. And that must be really, really tough. And feeling that you can't respond to that. And then, you know, the CPS issued a statement around that time or whatever that they were going to continue to, to with the process, which is, you know, that's the business of the CPS. And I think that probably pushed her quite close to the edge. And, yeah, it's all it's awful. I think we do all need to step back and have a think about how we use social media and how, how also how much we should be commenting on things, you know. Should we be voicing our opinions on things we don't really understand? We're all entitled to our opinions, but are we entitled to put that opinion on that person when you don't really know you know and that's that's why i find frustrating people write all kind of stuff when they have no clue what they're really talking about and that's a part of the problem and people write things and forget that you know those people they're writing about they're probably going to see it yeah they're real people they're real people you know yeah. whether you've got one million followers or 10 followers at the end of the day it's a phone in the hand of a human being 
I noticed one of the things you said in your post is that there were people deleting tweets and deleting posts. It's very cowardly, isn't it? Yeah, that they'd previously posted, of, and then you know, and then kind of making a big thing about we all need to be kind online. Mm. And I thought it was really interesting you calling out the hypocrisy of so yeah. much of what happens. Yeah, on social I mean, so media. I just couldn't believe that people were pulling down stories and tweets, and you know, you know day-to-day people that were i mean there's loads of tweets i saw where people have screenshot someone saying oh we need to all be kinder poor Karen flack and then the same account had posted something horrendous a few weeks earlier i think it's disgraceful you know i think it's absolutely disgraceful and you know i can only hope that those people really are impacted by what they've done and think really stop because they know in their hearts that they've written something really terrible I, I see stuff sometimes online or hear stories and think oh i don't know if that person's really doing the right thing or i don't think that's you know, I, I don't necessarily agree with what they're doing, but I won't write that because I know that it's not my place to, and also can have, I don't know the full story, it can re- be really damaging. You know, the whole um, discussion around the surgery show that Caroline was going to do, yeah, she was attacked yeah. mercilessly about that. There's been you a know, lot of tweets about that. There's been a huge amount of tweets about that, there's a lot of discussion about that, and you're entitled to your, you know, there's very high profile names, which I won't mention, that probably said a bit too much and probably regret that quite a lot now. I know the high profile um, names. Yeah, no, they, <laughs> yeah, they should really, really be, and you know, they, again, they're squirming a bit now as well. You know, and you watch them on Twitter trying to backtrack and claim to be friends, and I'm like, oh, come on, just uh, accept that you've, you know, overstepped the mark. And you know, people, some people make a living professionally out of, you know, doing that in a sense. And I'm not just talking about newspapers. So yeah, it, it did make me think really that we all do need to stop and, and you know evaluate what we're doing, evaluate what we're using social media for as well. You know, it's um, it can be used for power of good. It's not all negative. I think there's a lot of negative talk about social media, but it's it allows us to connect to so many people. It allows us to start, you know, empower our businesses, start businesses. You might have a florist shop. You can use it to promote your things you're doing. Um, it allows us to spread news incredibly quickly. Most of the biggest news stories are on Twitter first, as mm, you would know, mm. you know, from your fashion. It's most of it's on Twitter or something similar first. You know, I, I think I read a stat the other day that the third biggest distributor of news stories now is Facebook, mm. I believe, uh, or social media in general. Yeah. It's like thirty percent or something like that. So it's it's a really great way to spread, you know, and and let people know about issues that are going on in the world. For example, global warming, for example, coronavirus. Some of that is negative, some of that, you know, on there we isn't great. We can spread a lot of yeah, alarm and fake alarm news, thing, But at yeah. least, you know, in some, at least with those things, it, it, it allows us to be very aware. And I think particularly a really good example of how powerful it is, 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 is you know, um, environmental change because even even America I think will only be able to deny that so long because it's it's out there it's everyone in the world is just gaining momentum on social media talking about it and realizing it's a problem so I do think it's a really good thing it's just every now and then we see you know cases like this where you know maybe a couple of percent of the population have really pushed someone to the edge and and, and I think there should be a bit more out there in protection as well I think you should be able to if people are writing certain things out about you are untrue you should be able to be able to fight back a little bit on that so yeah, it's, it's difficult. I don't really know what the answer is, and like I said earlier, I don't know in myself if it will ever change. You know, if it will ever really change. If, if I'm not gonna, I don't think I can say honestly. I don't think this will happen again. I've been wondering a lot about whether it's possible to have really good mental health and be you know so publicly examined you know i think Mm. there's so many examples aren't there of people who you know you've you've obviously Mm. been able to cope with it you've obviously got good strong mental health Mm. but you know if your mental health is in any way fragile exposing yourself to that huge amount of scrutiny i just i don't see how anyone can really cope with it i think you know my mental health is good now but i've had points in the last year and a half where it's not been i mean you know everyone's you know i I talk about um mental health as hp bar almost if you think of a computer game you've got zero and you know 100 is a perfect life you know in terms of health and you think about that in, in the mental health terms i think that goes up and down in your life certain things happen to you momentous changes in your life good and bad and also a baseline of you know how well you eat, how much you exercise, whether you smoke and drink, whether you take drugs, all plays a role into that. And it goes up and down. And I think what happens is the highs are uh, exaggerated and the lows can be exaggerated as well. Mm. And that's the risk, I think, with social media itself. 
I think it comes down to the fact that, you know, we can all blame social media, but it's just a tool. It's we human created, nature it's human that's being amplified, we are the problem. isn't it? Yeah. We are the problem. Absolutely. It's not the phone. Yeah. The phone isn't an issue at yeah. all. And so I think, yes, yeah, some people, I think, probably should leave it alone. I mean, the same with these reality shows. I, I think some people need to have a, a, like a real, actually, everyone who goes on TV needs to stop and think, am I actually prepared for this? Do I think I can really cope? Have I got the cope mechanisms to deal with this? And I think Love Island's got a lot better at that in recent years. I was going to say, do you think you were prepared? I, I think, um, them. I don't think you can ever prepare yourself for that level of it, because our year as well, I mean, the year after, I think everyone realised this is massive. But, yeah. you know, my season four was, I think, the real one way it was absolutely huge where you know vast numbers had millions of followers you know the year before Kristen Cam's a few people that came out quite you know but it was really it was ridiculous really you know and and I think that was a realisation but yeah they, they, they certainly assess you a lot before uh, during and after the show and I've had great support from ITV if I've ever needed it but, yeah, I think if you're going to go on TV, if you're going to try and start a social media account, your plan is to grow a following. I think you really have to think about, is this is this really what I want? Do I Am I going to be equipped to deal with this? And if you have mental health issues, yeah, I think it's probably best to stay offline. Some people, I've got friends who don't use um, social media at all. They just mm. use the WhatsApp to speak to a slot and then that's it. They're just not, they, they know it's not for them and they don't use it. Don't how, have to. how do you keep mentally healthy then? I mean, have you had really bad trolling? You know, yeah, had... I mean, so a couple of weeks ago, I had a story written about me by one of the papers, and it was actually not just about me; it was about a few different uh, media doctors talking about us basically earning money and then trying to imply that we were in some way not ethically right in doing it. And I mean, that can be really frustrating to read because, of course, what they're writing is just a really small piece of the true story. I mean, ninety yeah. percent of everything we do is charitable and free. The content, the advice, everything we do, and everything I work with, I truly believe it and I don't you know I came out of Love Island I could earn 300 grand doing PA club PAs didn't do a single one because I felt that that would not be the right example I think vast majority of the population if I offered you 300 grand to go to a club and have you know all this attention from beautiful people probably would take the 300k I didn't mm-hmm. I actually have said no to a huge number of deals which are incredibly lucrative because they're not right they're not things I believe in you know CBD oils and all this kind of stuff it's not something that I feel is right as a doctor for me to do so what I do work with is things that I believe in but you know you see a story like that and it's so frustrating to see people commenting on that and going oh this is bad because they don't know the story they have no idea the full picture of what's going on but I am I think quite able to go actually I know what I'm doing is right at the end of the day when I go to bed at night I know that I'm sticking to my morals that I'm being ethical and that I'm actually probably doing more good than probably quite a few people out there and I say that honestly as I do work really really hard at that and so for me I let it brush off but for a lot of people and especially if you're young imagine if you're 19, 20 and you're seeing yeah. the stuff written about you and if it's personal stuff it's about how you look or you know whether you put on weight it must be so damaging I'm 29 I look back and think I don't know if I could have done it if I was 20 I think it would be very difficult to do that you know and I've, I'm someone who's seen a lot of death and dying I've had, you know, I've seen a lot of that kind of stuff in life that people might traditionally say are more difficult, more challenging things. I don't know if I could have done it. I was 20. Actually, it's interesting talking about death and dying. And you mentioned that you do work for the Samaritans. One of the things I've been really aware of in the last week is that I think I'm right. You'll correct me if I'm wrong. The Samaritans have said it's not helpful to share stories of suicide mm. because there is some evidence that there is a kind of um, there's a, there's copycat evidence, yeah. of effect and I'd never heard that before I didn't know that was official yeah. guidance from it's more about how it's written I mean it's about that is that is true and I, I think it's difficult and the reason for myself that I did the post was the wider I that's why partly why I sat down for 24 hours I was like a it's actually out everywhere it's not I'm not releasing anything that's new and b I was like there's a wider impact that I think and a point that needs to be made I think they were talking about posting details oh yeah of the suicide or suicide attempt that's the thing that's particularly triggering definitely It it is a trigger and you know sharing stories that are copycats I mean take the example of Kurt Cobain back with Nirvana I mean there was a huge number of suicides after that you know because people were copying that there was recently um, so one of the universities in the southwest had a similar situation where a student took their life and then there was several suicides following that which is awful so you do have to be very very careful about how we display it in the media but I do think we can't hide away from it in the same sense I think if we just brush it under the carpet it's yeah. not right and the biggest killer of essentially you know people under the age of 40 is, is, is suicide mm. 
and know, particularly a problem for young men, isn't it? For men, it's a huge, yeah. you know, much men are much more likely to um, take violent means to take their own life. You know, for men, it's a big issue. I think you know, in society, men aren't very good at talking. There's a huge number of complex issues. I think that are partly genetic as well in men and the way that men are uh, physiologically, they don't necessarily open up uh, in the same way, and I think that causes a lot of problems. We are realizing that now. There's a huge amount of work being done which is great to raise awareness, but I think the other part which we're kind of missing, I think, at the moment is there's there's just no funding in mental health services. Mm. It's all very well raising awareness and telling everyone be aware of mental health, but where are you going to send these people? So we know there's a massive drain on the NHS and we also know that there's a huge increase in mental health issues in the population. How much of that, I know it's a very complex issue, I know it's not a a quick Mm. answer, but how much of that is to do with our relationship with the digital world and social media. I, I just mm. want to pull out one thing you said. You were talking about a positive use of social media was, and I agree with you, was raising awareness around the environment and mm. climate change. But I was at a talk last night where someone was talking about increased environmental anxiety yeah. in the young. So, you know, there's in a kind young. of, yeah, there's a double-edged sword of that because, you know, all these stories about these terrible problems we have are pumped 24-7 at children who are then getting very anxious about yeah. them. So how much of the mental health issues are we kind of creating with our digital world? I think, think? When, I think back to when I grew up and my childhood was about going out in the fields, riding a motorbike, you know, watching the tractors, you know, farm the fields, you know, playing outside, climbing trees. I that cycled kind of thing. a lot. Yeah. yeah, I just enjoyed <laughs> the world. And now, you know, people who are eight, nine, ten years old, or kids are ten, eight, nine, ten years old, the same age as I was, are on Instagram and seeing all these kind of issues, a lot of which you can't comprehend or fully understand at that age and actually mm. compartmentalise. And yeah, I think it does increase anxiety in young people. And I do think it does play, play a part in the increased number of mental health problems we're having. I mean, we're seeing around one in four people that present to A&E have some kind of mental health component to their presentation, at least Gosh, that. Gosh, I didn't realise it was that high. At least that, I think. Yeah. You know, and it's even just from my experience, it's at least that. You know, and you dig deep into most people's lives, there's something that's going on. And I think a part of that is definitely, you know, social media in that aspect. That's why I think social media should be a part of the curriculum properly, you know, real aspect of that. I just think the education system as a whole needs modernising because I think back to school, no one ever taught me about what a mortgage is, mm. what nicer is, what money really is or how to make money work, how to really cook effectively you know the basics of how to look after your physical health and how to look after your mental health including social media i think that should be an entire subject on its own you know people i'm going off uh, subject a little bit but it's kind of easy to kind of um use an example we all go to school to get a good job or start a business whatever you're doing to make money right but most people have no idea how to look after money how to yeah. invest money how to manage your money and that and if you don't know how of course it goes wrong so if you're not taught how to use social media or how to look after your mental health surprise surprise when you're an adult you don't know what to do and you're you're lost with it so i think the whole the world needs to catch up to where we are you know everything is changing so quickly social think, media is changing well so i think the problem is the speed because right. i mean if you think about it it's been 10 years probably um I, I do a lot of talks in schools but i think you know it's taken everyone by surprise it's taken teachers parents you know kind of i think they want to skill kids but they don't really know what it yeah. is they should be telling them. I mean, this is your realm, obviously. This is your, your area. But, the, I mean, t- in terms of tech and things, but TikTok is now, I believe, the fastest or has been the fastest growing social media platform. And it doesn't show any any sign it's going to stop. It's going to be massive. And, yeah. Yes, and there are really huge great. problems with TikTok. Yeah. And yeah. there's a huge number of really young people on there. Mm. And it does it does worry me. I think with that particularly, that platform... You know, it's made for people to be dancing around, looking beautiful and all this kind of thing. And that, you know, you've got essentially 10, 11, 12 year olds watching that, you know, and you think really at that age, you should be, you know, playing card games, yeah, free from outside. the world, free from any stresses. Your biggest worry is about whether you're going to have a yogurt after dinner at night, you know, that kind of thing. That should be your biggest worry. Uh, and unfortunately, that, that landscape's changed. I think our our expectation of people growing up has become so much earlier. You're expected to know what career you want at the age of 13 or 14, mm-hmm. where you want to be, what you want to do, where you want to live. And that's really hard, I think. I think social media does drive a lot of that because you see all the successes. You think, well, I want to get there. How am I going to do that? How can I you know, buy that car that I've seen that guy doing? You know, you know, How am I going to be able to buy a house like that? It's difficult. I think that starts at a young age. It's a lot younger than people realise. I think what I like most about what's happened in the last year or so is people posting realities yeah. on social media. And actually, you did something quite recently when you did a kind of 
body positive, mm, yeah. if, if I'm allowed I to call it that image. Myself, yeah. you know, and, and, and an unedited picture, yeah. you know, before of myself, you know, training for Love Island after. And I thought, well, actually, I look healthier in the second one. And actually, I was happier in the second yeah. one. I wasn't starving myself. Just because you'd look at the other picture and say, that might be more aesthetic. But I wasn't eating a balanced diet. I was actually starving my body uh, from nutrients. In order to get to look like that. not yeah. sleeping enough. And actually, socially, I was completely isolating myself. I wasn't going to any situations where there could be food or drink that might add calories or make me gain weight and therefore I was completely isolating myself I wasn't going out for coffees or dinners or mm. meeting friends I was going to the gym and I was coming home and I was eating a really really uh, stripped back diet food that was not good for me so so I thought that was really powerful you did that because there's not enough you know even though I said there are more and more there aren't enough people saying this is the price you pay yeah. in order to look like that and yeah. actually this is you know what living in the real world and being happy looks like yeah and as you're talking about the power of your platform you've got a million plus you know 1.3 million mm. people looking at that and actually that's a really powerful thing to say I think there's a lot of people that I think could do more with that and I think if we all do a little bit then it, then it can help but it's not to say that you don't show the good parts of life like you know and I um, as I say I love my car stuff and some people might go oh gosh he's showing his car that he's enjoyed but I do work hard to enjoy things and I think it's about balance it's about going no one's life is perfect it's good and there's, there's good the bad and the ugly in everyone's life and I think if everyone tries to show that we're a lot happier because you know these perfect Instagram accounts with flawless pictures I mean they've taken a thousand photos to get like mm. that and quite frankly they don't even look like that in real life done a lot of face tuning and brushing <laughs> <laughs> I mean you know it's not these people don't even look like that yeah. some of them you know I, I, I called out an app the other day and it really infuriated me and it was a six pack app so it gave oh, that's not yeah. manly is it I've yeah come and it gave, it gave people yeah. six packs I'm like, what and they're are promoting you doing? that to what are you teenage doing? boys and Horrendous. younger than teenage boys because also yeah. if someone does use that app they don't actually look like that so then no. they're not expose their body because yeah. they know they don't and it's just oh so I, I honestly can't believe the ethics and anyone sits down and goes do you know what I think this is a really good idea yeah and let's push it to young boys yeah and so I, co- I, call, I don't often image. call out brands or companies or things and I thought I'm sorry but that's just ridiculous and people the good thing was people you know everyone replied saying that's disgraceful So I've got three questions yep. that I like to end with. So some of it might be a kind of roundup of what you've already said, but what's the one message you'd like to, to give to people listening about their kind of social media habits? What's the one take home you'd like them to take away from listening to you? I think the first and most important thing to do is think about what social media is. It's a tool and that's it. It's just a tool. It isn't your life. It isn't a full reflection of your life. It's just a tool and learn to be able to put it down and realise that at the end of the day, it's not that important. And if you can do that, the rest of it falls into place. You know, you've got, it's, we spend three or four hours a day on, on social media, some, some people do, and you just got to think, it's the past. Everything you see mm. is history. I really it's liked it present. when you said that earlier, it's Everything the Everything you see yeah. is history. Yeah. It's not real life, most of it. Yeah. And it's just a tool. If it's causing you any distress put it down and I do that I put the phone down and go that's it I'm not looking at it now for a few days and I approach it with a fresh mind with the realisation that it's just a tool and have you got a tip that you'd like to share that helps you keep a good balance is there any kind of trick that you use or are you, do you turn your phone grayscale do you put it in a drawer do you not sleep with it in your bedroom as an alarm clock yeah. that's actually something I'm working on and the difficulty I have is because at the end of the day the it is partly my job it's my business it's everything in that phone um, but what I'm trying to do is at night put it aside and mm. you know when it gets to kind of six seven o'clock at night I put the phone down and I only answer then to you know um, specific messages or whatever you know from friends but otherwise I try and just put that down I think the main thing in terms that I do and I think genuinely the biggest difference I've had is that I've muted or unfollowed accounts that don't make me feel good you know because if you pick up your phone and you can spend a lot of time on your phone why would you want to see things that make you feel bad yeah and if you don't want to unfollow someone just mute them they'll never know Uh, and try and look at your I think an Instagram account or a social media account in general should be a reflection of your interests hobbies and passions if it isn't a reflection of that or it's negative get rid of it I like that and finally what have you learned about yourself from your tech habits and your social media habits I think I've learned that I'm as susceptible as anyone to being drawn in by these kind of apps and I think it's been a learning curve to learn how to put the phone down, learn how to separate my life from social media as much as possible, or at least have an awareness that it can 
pull you in and and now that i've done that and i've realized you know at the end of the day it isn't that important whether i get a thousand likes ten thousand likes a hundred or whatever it is what does it really matter it doesn't and being able to do that takes the pressure off so much and mm. i think for people who don't have necessarily big accounts it's just learning why you're using it like what what's the benefit is it serving me a purpose if it's not serving me a purpose either for entertainment enjoyment or whatever then maybe put it down you don't have to have it i use it because it is you know a platform that i have that i that i can really do something positive with and and you know share my experiences but i was very happy before without using instagram and if it doesn't serve you a purpose get rid of it i think that's a really nice note to end on so alex thank you very much thank you so much Thank you for listening to this episode of It's Complicated. If you haven't already, please do subscribe, rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts from. It helps other people find us and it means you get a helpful little notification when a new episode becomes available. For more about getting a healthy balance with tech, you can follow me, Tanya Goodin, or Time to Log Off on Instagram and Twitter. And both my books, Off and Stop Staring at Screens, are available on Amazon and at all good bookshops. Finally, for more information about this and other episodes in the podcast series, visit itstimetologoff.com. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamline my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.